On today's episode, Recovery Month Closing Summary. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. We are bringing this to a close, this theme, this month that we've been doing. We've interviewed so many people, we've learned so many things, and like all good things, it must come to an end, and I thought I would kick off uh, our final episode with just a summary of what I've learned, the things that have really stood out for me, or the things that I really want to highlight that happened within this month. And so I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has listened. I want to say a big thank you for submitting your questions. Um, A lot has happened throughout the month. I've launched my app as well. Uh, As you have known, I do, uh, I have started implementing my new outro after these episodes um, because everything develops so much and Uh, I want to get the message across. I thought I would create a new outro that does illustrate um, the importance of the app and so that people uh, who are new listeners can just quickly listen to the outro and be like, oh, that app exists and (laughs) they can uh, head straight to it. So you might notice that's something new. Uh, Like I said, thanks for submitting your questions. I still have one more question to answer and it was from Emily and she asks, is there different recovery for strength training compared to running recovery. And I thought I had an answer for this, but I thought what a it might be a better way for me to call up um, Shona Halson again, uh, my fave. And I just sent her an email and being like, this is Emily's question, what do you think? And she was grateful enough to reply. And so um, I'll read it out to you now. So thanks Emily for submitting your question. Shona replies, we don't know a great deal about different recovery strategies for different types of exercise. In her thoughts, this is not based on science, but experience. There would be both strength training and running involve eccentric contractions. So it's you're getting the, um, the muscle damage is through the same means eccentric contractions. So we have small amount of evidence that contrast water immersion is slightly better than cold water immersion, e.g. ice baths. So you're probably uh, for recovery when it comes to damage and inflammation. So you're probably looking to do a hot, cold water immersion therapy rather than just doing the ice baths. But also as soreness can be delayed and occur over multiple days, Repeating this recovery over consecutive days can also be useful. 
So to summarize that, it's uh, I, um, based on Shona's opinion and based on her uh, vast experience, she recommends doing the hot, cold recovery rather than just ice baths. So thanks again for that, Emily. Okay, let's dive into what I've learned and what I want to highlight over the whole course of this month. Number one, the level of importance around mental stress relating to physical recovery. This was a concept that came up several times with several different interview interviews that I had, um, starting with Dr. Izzy Smith talking about the stress cup and as we want to recover, we can't have that stress cup overflowing. And it doesn't matter where the stress is coming from. It could be physical stress, like a run or a hard workout, or it could be mental, emotional stress. They It still fills up the cup uh, the same way. And it's the same cup that gets filled up. Hormones get released and the body doesn't know the difference to which stress it is. And this was backed up by Shona when she said that she sometimes gets athletes that are physically recovered, but they're mentally fatigued and mentally they haven't recovered. And so that's when we recommend or Shona recommends a lot of downtime as a form of treatment. It can't just necessarily be physical treatments. We also need the emotional and the psychological downtime. So we want to recover the body, but it's just as important that we recover the brain. That was one thing, one highlight that came up several times, which I guess I knew the the benefits of, but just didn't know how important it was, how high on the priority list it was. And that's what really surprised me. And it ties in well with um, my next point that I learned. And that was, I think I have underappreciated the things like stretching, yoga, foam rollers, massage balls, all the things that aren't really scientifically driven to help recovery because they just, because of the methods directly don't aid recovery, but why we do them aids recovery. And I already held, I guess, massage and float tanks, meditation. I kind of held them in a high regard already, but I think stretches, yoga, foam rollers, they could almost be in the same category if it if it gets a benefit from you, like if you find a benefit and if you get that um, emotional release, if you get that sense of that it's doing a lot of work, if you get the sense of you just feel better afterwards and you have this tightly held belief that it is doing the right thing and you do feel uh, emotionally recovered after doing these treatments, then it's just as important as all those other massage, meditation, um, so I guess I was a bit harsh in the past on those methods that I mentioned before, but based on the individual, it could be just as important as all those other recovery strategies that I mentioned. And while we're on the topic, the just those methods, I think the cold water immersion was something that was quite surprising for me because I learned when you're going from hot to cold uh, water immersion I thought it increased your heart rate and that pumped blood around the body, which led to recovery. But what Shona was saying is that it is a little bit with heart rate, but it's mainly due to blood flow restriction. And when you're cold, all the blood goes away from your extremities 
and when you're warm it does the opposite so swapping from to to fro actually just um switches that cycle which i found really fascinating and actually makes a whole lot of sense but yeah i guess that was something new and just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know i have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge this is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Talking about underappreciating those stretches and yoga and foam rollers, I think, and holding those other methods in high regard, I think I've actually lost regard when it comes to supplements and evidence-backed labeling that they have on their um, on their bottles and on their products. And this is where Christy Ashwanden came into it and was talking about how companies have found this hack. Well, that the, the hack that makes products really successful is that science is the best form of marketing. And so they, like the supplement companies do fund these really poor designed um I guess, trials and these really poor designed methods. And then they use that science that they find to just print on their labels. And like I said, they, they just have these crappy designs and then just push that science into their marketing, which is, yeah, I, it opened my eyes and the chapter in her book opened my eyes. And I hope it has for you as well, mainly around taking supplements, taking protein, creatine, and all the benefits that it, the labels say that it has. Um, just be a little bit skeptical. The third thing I learned while I'm on the topic of uh, Christy Ashwanden was the topic around hydration. And I've always been an advocate for drinking a lot of water. And I do drink a lot of water throughout the day. But I guess uh, what Christy's statements were around, you don't necessarily need to follow those recommendations of taking a whole lot of water throughout the day and you should just drink to thirst. It was back to those uh, science-based labeling and the claims that they make. A lot of it is with sports drinks and energy drinks and advertising certain recommendations, which, you know, if I had a product, I'd probably want people to drink it more often or take it more often. And if you just drink to thirst, it's not going to do any harm. And Christy does say that uh, if you do drink too much water, you're actually losing or dampening your thirst signals. So that's not necessarily a good thing when we need to be exercising and need the body to tell us when we actually should be drinking water. And it was, um, I guess, a relief to know that the body can or will adapt to operating at mild levels of dehydration if you allow it to. And not a lot of harm, very, very, very rarely will a runner be harmed through dehydration. It's usually heat stroke or being overhydrated. So that opened up my eyes. I think it did for a lot of people as well. Number four that I want to talk about was heart rate and heart rate data. We had a, a week of looking at measurements and uh, analyzing the importance of heart rate and yeah, how close we should pay attention to it. And I guess I have an overall message from listening to both of those episodes and it was one you need to listen to your body first it can't just be you can't just follow a number and then act on that number first and foremost listen to your body 
but then we can use heart rate. Heart rate data can be very useful. Heart rate variability can be useful, but it needs to be one piece of the puzzle. It can't be directed. You can't dictate your behaviors in your training based on one point of data. Okay, so I think that one piece of the puzzle is a really nice summary. Uh, be very cautious with analyzing small snapshots. So if you uh, wake up and you're going for a walk and then you measure your heart rate and say, oh God, it's a lot higher than what it was yesterday. You're just taking a real snapshot and interpreting that can have its dangers. You could be misinterpreting it because of the various amount of fact factors that uh, Chris was talking about on our interview. Uh, but I think we should be less cautious if you're just observing over long trends, like you're observing trends over a long period of time. So if you know that um, if you exercise a certain way, your heart rate would, I guess, be, if it's repeatable and it's following a consistent trend, um, then any changes in those consistent trends, you'd be able to try and accurately find what that difference was. So for example, if I'm um, measuring my heart rate variability over the week. And I know that um, every time I overexercise, every time I really push myself, then I get a spike in heart rate variability or I get a drop in heart rate variability or my heart rate's elevated overnight. I know that that's consistent because every time I train hard, that happens. And every time I drink some beers or have a, a night out, or have less sleep, if my heart rate and my heart rate variability is consistently differing, uh, consistently changing from my baseline, then that's something that I can learn about my body. And that's what I guess we took away. This could be a good tool to use to learn more about your body, but we can't heavily rely on it to make decisions. Listen to your body first. Uh, I've got two more points here. The fifth one I want to talk about is the dangers of when you are training or preparing for a marathon or preparing for a race or trying to uh, prepare for or train for a PB. The warning signs of what Dr. Carl Foster talks about, losing your Zoom. And it's just like losing that top edge um, and I guess just underperforming. We can't get into the trap that you need to train harder if you start underperforming because the cause could be that you need more recovery. If you do need more recovery and you're misinterpreting it, like you need to train harder, the opposite effect will happen and you need, you'll probably start continue underperforming and at a worse rate. And so if you continue to misinterpret and you continue to be like, oh, I just need to train harder, train harder, train harder. This is where this overtraining syndrome gets into it. And perhaps the same trap could be said for those, I hear it quite often, I just need to train like I did five to 10 years ago because I was competing quite well. I was doing, um, performing quite well five to 10 years ago and I was training at this intensity for this frequency. And it's probably a bit of a trap because five to, year, five to 10 years down the track, your body's going to be different. Your body's going to be recovering differently. You're going to need to prioritize recovery a little bit more. And I will talk about that with um, Dave Proctor's advice at the end of this episode. But Carl did make the point that serious recreational runners, which I think is a lot of us, I think um, those who don't have a coach, those who just want to run, those who just want to run further, 
those who just want to run faster. I think that's the vast majority of the people who listen. Uh, they don't have a coach. They can't. They don't have a team that can be objective and give you guidance on the right things to do. And Carl did make this point of it's the disease of the accomplishment orientated person. So if you're a runner who's accomplishment orientated, you can increase that population has an increased likelihood of falling into this trap of overperforming or overtraining. So just be really, really careful. Um, instead, I think runners do need to be more kind to themselves. I do talk to a lot of runners and I do talk to a lot of injured runners. And I do think that we need to practice being more kind to ourselves. We do need to slow down a little bit. Runners in general, constantly active, any, they don't want to take any recovery days. They just want to run every single day or be active every single day. They get restless as soon as they have to sit down. I think it's not being lazy if you choose to start recovering and having recovery days. I think you're actually training smarter. So you're not being lazy. So find a method of recovery that you enjoy. That could be the foam rolling, stretching, yoga, massage, uh, float tanks, anything along those lines, find a method that you enjoy, find a method that feels good and hone in on those recovery strategies that create downtime, even just time away from screens, even just time away from like a stressful environment. This can be really, really beneficial. Um, So talking about Dave Proctor, I think this is my last point that I want to make. Mentions how um, it takes longer to recover the older you get. And he even made the point that he's 40 now and it's probably taking him twice as long to recover from a hard session than it did in his 30s. So from 30 to 40, 10 years, and it takes twice as long to recover. That's based on his experience. And you can tell he's really, really honed in on his um, how hard he's working, how far he's exercising and what his recovery is like. So for him to have that insight, I really trust his accuracy but if you train right, so obviously your body is going to be uh, unable or less likely to bounce back like it did 10 years ago. But one thing I found really interesting was he mentioned, yeah, the body takes longer to recover, but the years and years that he's accumulated of exercising and trained the right way, he's built up a lot more experience and he's actually built up more mental resilience to perform. And the mental resilience will just keep growing on a linear level rather than recovery, which um, is <laughs> it's where an uphill battle when it comes to age, you know, we can't get younger. So we, it's inevitable that the body is going to take more and more time to recover. But as we go, as we get older, that experience all just accumulates. So make sure that we're training right. Make sure that we're training smart. Make sure that we're enhancing our recovery And along the way, as long as we keep challenging ourselves and keep challenging our mental capabilities, our our mental resilience goes through the roof and we can continue performing like we can continue performing at levels like Dave is. And he even mentioned his mate. I think he said his mate was Wayne Garnett, who that 64-year-old. I don't know who that is, but he mentioned 64 years old and running ultras. um, Tremendous effort. But... His mate Wayne's philosophy was, I don't get to recover. I have to recover now. 
at the age of 64, it's now a must. It's not an option that, that it once used to be. And so that's another thing that we need to consider, the benefits uh, or um, constantly prioritizing recovery and having that higher and higher on the priority ladder the older we get or the harder we want to perform. Keep that in mind. That's it. So the um, the summary, I guess, the recap um, would be the benefits or recognizing the stress, emotional, psychological side of recovery. Definitely, um, I have not underappreciated, but I definitely really recognize its importance now. Um, talking about underappreciation, those uh, stretches, yoga, all that, all that stuff, I think... I do need to change my vocabulary and change my opinions of all those. I have in the past said, if it feels good, do it. But I do think just saying that kind of underappreciates it. So yeah, I think I'll be changing my attitude towards that in the in the future. Um, the hydration, the heart rate data, make sure we're listening to our body first and we're not overanalyzing those numbers. The warning signs of losing your Zoom, if you find that you're slightly underperforming, we might just need to enhance recovery rather than uh, train harder. And then, yeah, just talking about the benefits of recovery as you get older and the attitude shift that we need to have and just be kinder to yourself. Be kinder to um, your attitude towards recovery. And if you do take a recovery day, that's where you build up strength. That's not you being lazy. So I think just shifting attitude around that. This brings the recovery theme to a close. It actually brings this year to a close. It brings my first year of the podcast to a close. I didn't really realize it until I was writing down um, what I was going to talk about today, that it's it's a big chapter and it's a big um, closing time of life. And I started at the, within the start of January, 2020 and um yeah 12 months down the track how far it's come i had no idea i would never have imagined that like right now as we speak i'm getting i think it was 17,000 downloads per month and over a thousand listeners per episode just like looking at the charts over the last couple of months when it comes to running podcasts how high i'm ranking with all the um within the nation within Australia, within the US, um, how high the podcast is um, being ranked. It's just, it's mind-blowing. I, I would never have seen this in, in the first year. I would never have imagined that I'd have a tribe of dedicated patrons. I would never um, have imagined the amount of comments and like social media posts and engagement and encouragement that I get from listeners just contacting me on social media saying how much they've enjoyed the podcast and how um, much impact it's had for people. It just continues this passion that I do have. And I do think that big things do happen if you follow a passion and you address a big need that the world has. Uh, I think, yeah, that I think it's all sort of coming together and I know I'll continue serving and I'll continue um, holding this podcast to such a high standard um, because you guys, that's what you guys deserve. So on that closing statement, uh, have a happy holidays and I'll catch you in the new year. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, 
all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.